He's got connections. From actors and athletes to comedians and world-class musicians. Andy Hall. His contact list is jam-packed with some of the most recognizable names in entertainment. And every week, Andy Hall's bringing them to you on the Laser Airwaves. This week in Andy's Hall Pass. In-studio guest, actor, comedian, and owner of perhaps the coolest job in the world. Those are your words. Yes. Craig Gass is my special guest. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, buddy. I uh, All right, so we're going to cover a lot uh, in, in as small a space as possible. Uh, the overview is I am known mostly as a voice guy. Um, I've always been able to do any voice that I hear because of how I grew up. Yeah, this is a fascinating story. I'd love for if you would tell it. And this is not a joke. This is a true story. Everybody in my family is deaf. My mom, my dad, and my sister are all completely deaf. So growing up in a deaf family, I couldn't learn how to talk from my family. I learned how to talk by copying all the voices I heard on TV. And to this day, you know, I never got an accent from the Bronx, which is where I'm from. And everybody in the Bronx sounds like Tracy Morgan. Everybody in the Bronx talk like this, whether you black or white, male or female. That's crazy. Hey, this is the voice of your next door neighbor. And I'm a Vietnamese girl. That's crazy. Like everybody sounds like that. So, oh, man, the weirder the voice, the easier it is for me to do it. Like Christopher Walken has a real stop and go kind of voice where he'll talk every once in a while. He'll stop. And then he'll keep going. Or uh, Adam Sandler. Oh, he's uh, really silly. And uh, he, he's been doing movies for over 30 years, but he still talks like this, shibby-doo. <laughs> so um, I always had this knack for doing voices, which led to uh, radio, and I started doing the Howard Stern show. And then once I got on Howard Stern, I started doing the weirdest shit. Like, Howard just gave me like full reign to do whatever I wanted to. And I started coming up with these bizarre, like, like Al Pacino had twins. And I said... How funny would it be if we could have one of the babies on the show? Like, Al Pacino has twins. He's 6,700 years old, and he has twins. Like, wouldn't it be funny if his babies sounded just like him as a baby? And we could do it right, because it's all theater of the mind. Absolutely. And so we would do a regular segment where Howard would say, so you're Al Pacino's baby. What do you like to do for fun? Uh, what do I like to do for fun? I, um, I like to pee. You like to pee? I love to pee. My mother, uh, Beverly D'Angelo, whenever she changes my diapers, I give her a quick squirt right in the f***ing face. <laughs> and she likes it because she's a whore. The whole thing was terrible. So, um, And then, uh, oh, and I started out with, with Howard doing um, the war, like the most evil. Um, I don't know if I ever told Corey about this. That I, I do a... Uh, I started out by doing a bit that was every time a bad person died. And it's someone we can all agree, okay, that guy was an asshole. Yeah. Like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. There okay? you go. Jeffrey Dahmer one. dies. I think we're all on the same page. We don't like Jeffrey Dahmer. I would be on the air the next day calling in as Sam Kinison calling live from hell. Oh my God. At the gates of hell with the dead guy. And I go, hey guys, this is Sam Kinison. And I'm down here in hell. And uh, I'm sitting here with uh, with Jeffrey Dahmer. And this guy is already looking at my ass like, it's a T-bone! Oh! <laughs> and it just, it was evil. It was so dark. And then, so this goes on and on and on. And then I start inserting some of my own, like, into the show because I'm a huge metal fan. I'm a huge rock fan. And so I would tell 
Howard conversations about stuff that I was into, what my interests were. Sure. And he would just start laughing when I told him about how unbelievably confident the guys in Kiss are. I said, have you ever seen an interview with Kiss? Dude, those guys are so confident. I saw an interview with Paul Stanley where it was a softball. Like, why is Kiss so amazing? And Paul Stanley said, you know, a lot of bands are envious of Kiss. I'm even envious of Kiss. And I was like, oh, man, I wish I was so confident like that. I wish I was that cool. And like oh Gene God. Simmons was just. So I started doing this thing where I started talking like Gene Simmons on the show only when music guests were in the studio. I would constantly interrupt the music guest as Gene Simmons and try to sell them shitty Kiss products. And the craziest thing happened. The real Gene Simmons actually started getting hate mail because of the shit. I was saying on the Howard Stern show. Wow. It was bananas. And some of the stuff, like, everybody that works with Kiss starts coming out of the woodwork to tell me stories like, hey, I work with Kiss. I got a story for you. All the stories were horrible. And they're like, maybe you can use this. And I was like, I can't use that. Like, there's one guy who was working with another band. They were recording an album at this big, uh, like, famous studio in L.A. And the guy called me up and said, hey, man, we're recording a new album. And the guy who owns the studio is a big fan of yours. Can I put him on the phone? And I said, sure. And this guy got on and uh, he goes, hey, man, I love all of your impressions, especially your Gene Simmons, because Gene Simmons was the first guy to ever f*** me over in this business. And I think you'd appreciate the story. Gene Simmons came in to produce a band. It was some new artist that he was working with. And uh, at the last minute, Gene tried to switch into my largest facility for the same amount of money. And he just showed up in my building and said, did you get my message? I want to move to Studio A. And I said, yeah, I actually called you back. I don't know if you got my message, but someone is using Studio A. I asked them if they would switch, and they said no. And Gene goes, do they know that Gene Simmons from KISS is here? And he goes, you know what? If you want to ask them, you can ask them. I'm not asking them again if they would switch. And he goes, all right, where's Studio A? And he goes, it's all the way down the hall. It's the last door on the right. Gene Simmons goes walking down the hall. Opens up the door to Studio A, looks inside, and sees the Wu-Tang Clan recording an album. No. Slowly closes the door, comes back up to the front and says, right, we're Studio B. He never even <laughs> opened his mouth to the Wu-Tang Clan. Ah, nice. And the second story <laughs> is uh, that um, uh, a friend of mine who's a guitar tech with Kiss said, I got a great story for you uh, that happened while we were on tour. And this is nuts. According to my buddy, Gene Simmons actually hooked up with Miss America while they were on tour. No kidding. It was the reigning Miss America of that year, and Gene hooked up with her. And according to this guy who works in the road crew, he said the next night Gene hooked up with a whore, a girl that was such a mess that even the guys in the road crew were like, Jesus, did you see that? The <laughs> next night... They're doing a show in a they have a they have a day off in a town that's so small that the band and the crew are staying in the same hotel. And he's telling me from his point of view, he said, I happened to be in the bar of the hotel that night, and I happened to turn around right as I noticed that Gene Simmons is walking through the lobby and he was dragging this enormous girl with him through the lobby, gets in the elevator, pushes the button to his floor, looks at me through the lobby and goes, Oh yeah. And then the doors close on the elevator. Oh my God. And he said the next day at sound check, he walks up to Gene and goes, Gene, Gene, did you uh did you hook up with that girl last night? And Gene goes, Of course. <laughs> and the guy goes, Gene, didn't you hook up with Miss America the other night? And Gene goes, Steve, Steve, listen to me, okay? 
I'm going to give you some valuable advice. You can't have filet mignon every night. Sometimes you got to go to McDonald's. It's the worst <laughs> advice I've ever heard from one man to well, another man. Let me ask you something. When you do an impression of somebody as high profile as Gene Simmons, mm-hmm. inevitably it's going to get back to him. Yes. And I'm always intrigued to hear how somebody like that reacts when they know that somebody does an impression and it happens to have the notoriety that yours ended up having. Well, this crazy thing happened where one day we were on the air and Gene Simmons showed up at our at our show. He, he Gene Simmons in person. It started with our producer for the Howard Stern show ran into the studio one morning. We were on the air having fun. He said, "Hey guys, every, everybody stop. We, we got a problem. Okay, uh, so uh, Gene Simmons from Kiss just walked in the building. He wants to beat the shit out of Craig right now." And I was like, <gasps> "What? He's here?" And I was like, what, what, uh, uh, "Gary, we're not going to let him come up to our floor, right?" And Gary started walking out. And I said, "Gary." We're not going to let Gene Simmons come up to our floor, right? And Gary said, well, all the security guards are big Kiss fans. I've already let him in without a pass. They just let him walk in. Oh, my God. And Howard Stern kept looking at me going, Craig, come here. Come here. This is going to be the best show I've ever done. And I was like, for who? <laughs> not for me. Right. Not, maybe for you, but I don't best like this. Best show ever for Howard. Yeah, for Howard. <laughs> and he let the whole thing unfold, and Gene and I kind of squared off against each other. And I made him laugh. And then this crazy thing happened where uh, the next day we had a show meeting and Gary came in and said, hey, guys, you're not going to believe this. I just got off the phone with the KISS headquarters, which, by the way, that sentence should have been, hey, guys, you're not going to believe this. There's a fucking KISS headquarters. You know what I mean? Like there's <laughs> yeah, some kind of right. legion of doom with four superheroes <laughs> flying around wearing KISS underwears. And, Looks uh, like Castle Grayskull or something. Yes, right? exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and Gene Simmons wanted to come back on the show as a guest. But he had a request. He said, I don't want to be there when Craig's around because I would only sit in two days a week on the Howard Stern show. And I said, wouldn't it be funny if I showed up anyway? And we all started laughing. And I was like, oh, what if I what if I dressed up in full kiss makeup and put on a Gene Simmons outfit and I could say I'm the real Gene Simmons? Oh, my God. And, that's, and it's on YouTube right now. I walked in and I crashed his interview and I said, I'm the real Gene Simmons from Kiss. And you are an imposter. Oh, my God. But I can prove it. Because I got a bunch of cheap shit I want to sell you. And I had a bag full of shit that I had written Kiss logos on. Just random knickknacks. I had a, a New Kids in the Block lunchbox. And I took out a Sharpie and wrote, Kiss. That'll be 50 bucks. And, uh, and this crazy thing happened where I ended up getting invited to perform with Kiss uh, because the singer of Kiss, Paul Stanley, and it's been told to me by a few people, loves when anybody makes fun of Gene Simmons. He mm. loves having me around to make fun of Gene. So I've performed with Kiss multiple times on Kiss Cruises. It's been amazing. Uh, but now there's... Uh, I guess the end of the story right now is that, unfortunately, the Kiss army is is mad uh, at me because I did something that was a joke. It was intended as a joke. And it was taken very seriously under the circumstances. But it was intended as a joke. I performed at this event called the Kiss Cruise. It's 3,000 Kiss fans from all over the world. And I met a girl who was the cruise director. Um, she's really upbeat and peppy. She's the, she's the Julie McCoy of the Kiss Cruise. And when she met me, she said, oh, my God, you're the comedian. You're the... <gasps> hey, do you want to do a funny announcement on the ship tomorrow morning? And I was like, oh, f- Yes. Is, mm. is is everybody going to hear it? And she goes, oh, it gets piped into every cabin. And the next morning, 3,000 KISS fans woke up to this announcement. Bing bong. Hey, everybody. This is Paul Stanley. And this is Gene Simmons. 
from KISS. And we have a very important announcement. Do not panic. We have a very important announcement about the KISS cruise. It seems that the KISS cruise has just hit an iceberg. Now, keep in mind, when I said we've hit <laughs> an iceberg, we're in the middle of the f***ing Bahamas. Right, where? There's no reason for you as an intelligent person to go, this ship's going down! This ship's going down! We're in the Bahamas! But do not panic, because KISS is going to take care of everybody. <laughs> we actually have three packages to get you off the ship. First, we have the platinum package. It's $5,000. We'll put you in a group photo in a life raft, and you have your picture taken with Kiss. Oh, my God. Then we have the diamond package. Isn't that right, Paul? That's right, the diamond package. For $10,000, where we throw you in the ocean with Tommy and Eric, and Kiss floats by on a raft. We do a private acoustic show. <laughs> Everything I said was stupid, but Amazing. apparently a couple of the passengers actually got upset and went to the employees and said, is Kiss really going to charge us to get off the boat? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my yeah, it was, God. It was amazing. Craig Gass is my special guest. You oh. you alluded to Corey Taylor a bit yes. ago, and I, I'm long longtime friends with Corey. I've known him for over 20 years now. And uh, you got to partake in a, a very special ceremony for Corey uh, about a year ago now, right? Yeah. Corey, I, I have a tremendous amount of admiration for the guy because I met him once uh, at uh, uh, a couple comedian friends of mine do the that metal show, mm -hmm. and uh, they invited me to do something silly on the show. And on that day, Corey happened to be there. Cool. And I was shocked at how effortless it was to talk to him. He's just the easygoing dude. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we uh, just like had a nice conversation. But a couple years later, a friend of mine called me up and said. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hey, man, uh, I'm on tour with a band called Stone Sour, and uh, I want to know if you want to help me pull a prank on our singer, Corey Taylor. And I go, oh, I know. Like, you know, I, I, I say I know him, but I don't really know him. I just met him once. Sure. And I go, I know the guy. Yeah, I'll do it. And he goes, all right, so here's the deal. So last night, uh, the news came out that Kiss was going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the first time. They, they finally are going to let Kiss. So many fans were demanding Kiss deserves to be in the for Rock and Roll years. Hall of Fame. For years, yeah. And, and rightfully so, because almost every musician after Kiss, just like uh, Kiss would always reference the Beatles, and everybody from their generation would say, oh, man, the Beatles made me want to get into music. Everyone after Kiss said, I, like, I know two guys from System of a Down said, they just saw photos of Kiss and said, oh, my God, I want to do that. Yeah. They didn't even hear the music. They just saw photos and said, oh, my God, I want to, I want to look like that. Mm -hmm. And so Corey Taylor went on stage and paid tribute to Kiss and said they finally made it in the Rock and Hall of Fame. And he played a couple Kiss songs. And, we, and my buddy says, we think it'd be funny if you called him as Gene Simmons and said that he owes you money now for playing oh. the song. <laughs> and I yes. said, oh, that's perfect. It yeah, is. I go, let's do it. And Great he goes, all right. Idea. He goes, call me on my cell. Or, or I'll call you at this time. I'll be with Corey at this time. So Corey, uh, uh, I, I get the call. And my buddy who's doing security for Corey says, hey, Corey, it's Gene Simmons. And he goes, what? Really? Oh, right on, man. And I don't remember this opening line because I was a little nervous, but he said my opening line was Corey picked up the phone and said, how you doing, Gene? And I said, not good. And he went, what? Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, you played Kiss music last night. And he said, yeah, man, I'm uh, just paying tribute to you. Right. Do you think you can just do whatever you want with Kiss music? And he said, I don't, I don't. And I started giving him a hard time. 
And then uh, I started like, you know, kind of cursing him out and saying, you owe me money. You need to go. And I tried to make it obvious by saying, you go to kissonline.com, okay? <laughs> Click on my cod piece. Your face will pop up. <laughs> And it'll be a Corey Taylor account. You pay me money. And he's like, okay, okay. <laughs> and I go, all right, you piece of shit. And, and I hung up. And I thought, oh, he's probably laughing. 30 minutes later, my buddy calls me back and goes, dude, he's still upset. <laughs> and I was like, about what? And he goes, he's still upset. And I go, he didn't understand that I said, go to the website and click on my cod piece. And he goes, no, he's still like, oh, my God, I can't believe Gene's mad at me. And I said, I said, let's do it again. And this time I said, if you don't pay me, I'm going to make you suck Paul Stanley's d And I hung up. <laughs> and then uh, and then he said, dude, he's not even like, and I go, I did it a third time. And the third time I said, Corey, my name's Craig Gass. I'm a fucking comedian, dude. And he goes, no way. Are you serious? Are you serious? You doing that? Dude, ho hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. What are you doing on the third weekend of May? And I said, the I don't know what he goes you got to be a part of my roast we're roasting me at the rock on the range I want you to be a part of this and I was like I'd love to be a part are you kidding me yeah. and he goes all right dude we're gonna make this work man you are fucking funny man and I just hung up the phone going did that just happen never really knew the guy and he invited me to do this thing and uh and then from that point on we would check in with each other and we started uh Turns out we both have a lot of interest in the same bands, the same music. We both grew up loving the same shit. Mm -hmm. And over the years, we've gotten uh, closer and closer, just, just hanging out and just being silly. But a year ago, a little over a year ago, I was at a Slipknot show in the Seattle area. And um, uh, him and his girlfriend, Alicia, said, uh, what are you doing? Uh, October, whatever. And... Um, I said, I don't have any shows. And they said, because we're getting married, we'd love for you to come to the wedding. Mm -hmm. right? We're doing, we're getting married in a private thing, but then we're having a party and the party is where we're inviting all our friends to. I said, yeah, I could probably do that. And then Corey goes, cool, man. I'm going to go get ready. And Corey leaves the bus and Alicia looks at me and says, uh, hey, so I have uh, uh, a f something I want to talk to you about. And I said, okay. And she goes, there is something happening where... So when Corey proposed and we started planning our wedding, he wanted to have us get married by an Elvis impersonator, to which I said, there's no fucking way I'm letting you have us get married by an Elvis impersonator. But he looked so happy talking about the Elvis impersonator that I, I want to make him happy. And, and she's telling me this and I'm like, oh my God, please, please tell me you want me to dress up like Elvis. Please tell me you want me to dress up like Elvis. She goes, so I don't know if this makes you feel weird. And if it does, I totally understand. And I said, do you want me to dress up like Elvis? And she goes, yeah. And I go, fuck yeah, I'll dress up like Elvis. <laughs> fuck yeah. And without consulting with Alicia, I kind of ran with it and decided to show up as late stage drugged out Elvis. And I brought a bag of cocaine. Uh, it was a bag of sugar. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of prescription pills. I guzzled pills the whole time oh during the, the wedding thing. Uh, and the pills were... It was Mintz and uh, a musician friend of mine whose name I, I won't say happened to have a lot of empty prescription <laughs> pill bottles he could give me. And uh, and so uh, I, I brought a gun. I had a gun oh and a bucket God. of chicken. And I I married them. Um, and uh, and it was so much, so much fun. And, uh, and uh, I just admire the guy for having a great sense of humor. And this band, uh, all these guys that he's traveling with, 
Corey had me open for them last summer. We did a handful of shows together called Corey Taylor and Friends. Mm -hmm. And then I opened for them, including here in Iowa. We did two nights in Dubuque. Yep. And uh, and I opened uh, two of those nights there, and um, and he's always been really uh, cool. He's just uh, he's just a very relatable, nice person, and um, and it's weird because we have the same uh, uh, interests in music and stuff. He just happens to be a lot more uh, successful. Well, I tell you what, I mean, a stark contrast between Corey Taylor and Gene Simmons, for example, right? I right. Mean, dealing well, with somebody like Gene. It's obvious that everything that Corey has done was stolen from Kiss. By the way, the guy who taught me how to do the Gene Simmons impression is a friend of mine who works for Aerosmith, and uh, his name's John Bianelli, and this is how we communicate with each other for decades, is he'd pick up the phone, say hello, and I'd go, hi, John, this is Gene Simmons. From Kiss. And he'd go, what's up, Gene? <laughs> Not much. Listen, I hope you don't mind, but Aerosmith's entire catalog is available for forty nine ninety five at kissonline.com. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's how we've talked to each other for years. Oh, my God. 15 years ago, Kiss and Aerosmith put a tour together. John is in the front office at Vindaloo Music, which is Aerosmith's uh, management office up in Boston. And the phone rings. Hey, John, it's for you. And John goes, put him through. And he picks up and he hears, hi, John, this is Gene Simmons from Kiss. <laughs> and John goes, what's up, you fat Jew bastard? And there's a long pause. <laughs> and he hears, I'm sorry. And there's another long pause. And John goes, Craig? <laughs> and he hears, no, it's not Craig Gass. It's Gene Simmons from Kiss. Listen, I have a question for it. He goes right into his question. Didn't even fucking bat an eye, man. I um. Oh, that's unbelievable. I want to tell you uh, quickly that um, uh, the Eddie Van Halen story, which is um, uh, it started with uh, I was at a concert at a Scorpions Dockin concert at the Universal Amphitheater in Los Angeles. Wow, that's like an old Monsters of Rock show, right yeah, there. Yeah, except awesome. it, except it was two thousand and two. Yeah, that is a Monsters of Rock. Must have been. Yeah, because because uh, well, the original. Wow, that's that's a great reference. Yeah, two of the bands that were on the Monsters of Rock tour, and they were performing at the uh, Universal Amphitheater. A friend of mine who is a big supporter of my comedy career is introducing me to. Every, he's doing me a, a solid by. He's impressing me by. Uh, I'm such a. A nerd about music that when he says, "Oh, this guy's name is blah blah blah," and I go, "I know who you are. You're the guy who produced the blah blah." You know, like, yeah, I'm making it weird for everybody. And so when he tells me this, I'm I'm I got a boner. I'm like I'm excited about everyone he's talking to. He says, uh, "Oh, dude, I'm going to introduce you to this guy." Um, okay, this guy lives with one of the biggest rock stars on the planet. Don't tell him I told you that. And he goes, "Maddie, hey buddy, uh, hey man, I don't know if you're a comedy fan or if you listen to Howard Stern at all, but." Uh, this is my friend uh, Craig Gass. He's a stand-up comedian. And this guy turns around and goes, oh, my God. Dude, I am probably your biggest fan. No, come on. And I go, get out of here. Are you serious? That's awesome, man. That is awesome. So we start talking, and uh, we exchange phone numbers. And I don't know anybody in L.A. I just started working out there. So we made plans to go bowling. And on the day that we're going bowling, I called him up, and I said, hey, man, so we're going to do the bowling alley on Ventura uh, between Coldwater and and uh, Laurel Canyon and uh, – I was going to do 9 p.m. because that's the it's league night and the league ends at 9. Is that okay? And he goes, yes. Uh, quick question. Is it okay if I bring my friend Ed with me? I've been telling him about you for a long time, and he's a big fan of yours, and he wants to meet you. And I said, yeah, that's fine. He goes, okay. He's got a kid. His kid's 12. And I go, dude, it's bowling. Who gives a shit? 
and he showed up with Eddie Van Halen. That's crazy. He shows up with Eddie Van Halen. Some and, guy named Ed. Yeah, and it turns out, like I start putting the pieces together, okay, this guy is Eddie Van Halen's assistant, he lives on the property in a guest house, and he runs the 5150 Studios, and he is such a fan of uh, the Howard Stern show that he gets up every morning at 5.30 in the morning so that he can go in the studio, turn on the Stern show, and listen to all five hours of the show every day. He no listens kidding. to all five hours. Wow. So when I started showing up on the show, he started coming down to the hill and going, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. The guy on the Howard Stern, there's a new guy. He does, an, he does an, a Sam Kinnis impression. That's crazy. And then a week later, oh my God, the same guy does a Lars Ulrich from Metallica impression. Oh, man. And then a week later, oh my God, the same guy does a Gene Simmons impression. And then a week later, holy shit, Gene Simmons tried to beat him up in the studio. <laughs> and then all these stories keep piling up. And at the bowling alley, Eddie is telling me all my stories. He's reciting them all back And to he you. goes, dude, remember the time that you... Uh... And I go, yeah, of course, I remember that. Yeah, And, he's, and he tells me this one story. By the way, he's not supposed to be smoking in the bowling alley. And he keeps smoking. And then I told a story on the air about how I've been broke my whole life. Once I started making money, all I've ever wanted was an illegal cable box. That's all I've ever wanted was one of those illegal <laughs> cable boxes that'll unscramble all the channels. Yep. And Eddie Van Halen in the bowling alley goes, dude, I heard you broke your whole life. That's crazy, because so was I. And I heard that, uh, is this true? You always want a legal cable box? And I go, yeah, that, that is true. I actually did end up buying one. He goes, that's crazy, because uh, he looked both ways, and he went, I got a legal cable box, too. And I said, no way. Are you serious? And he goes, yeah. Thing is, I'm f***ing rich, but uh, don't want to pay for cable. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> wow. Like, are you like, and so over the course of the next year and a half, I end up hanging out at the studio to hang out with Maddie and then Ed would show up and we would hang out a little bit. Then I got in a really bad relationship with a girl that uh, I should not have been involved with, but I was, and it ended on a horrible note at a party when I left for two minutes to go pee and when I came back she was making out with a guy at the bar and I just kind of stood there and watched and waited for her to notice that I was watching and then uh, and then I just turned around and I I called Maddie and I said hey dude you're not going to believe this and I'm telling him he's like wait 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 hold, hold on Ed wants to get on the phone Ed picked up the phone and said dude I told you she was a whore and I said yeah I know and he goes dude what, what are you dating what are you living with her and I go she's the only person I know besides the two of you and he goes dude back up your shit move in with me and I said is that okay and he goes yeah he goes you can stay in the recording studio oh my god stay as long as you want the only thing is don't tell anybody but the band's getting back together so it's gonna be noisy at night and I was like so the only thing I gotta worry about is the fact that Van Halen is gonna be playing in the next room and he said I know you're working on your TV show and I because I was doing a show a brand new show at the time called Las Vegas on mm -hmm. NBC I remember with that one. Uh, James Caan and Alec Baldwin. Yes, of course. And uh, and so for the next, uh, from January till about April or May, I ended up living in the recording studio, 5150 Studios, trying to live my life in the inside of a world of a hermit who was super famous. And uh, and it was there were so many surreal things that happened, one of which was um, getting over the girl in March of that year, I took Maddie to a Metallica concert and I met a nice girl at the Metallica concert who I was texting with all night. And at the end of the night, she called me at midnight and said, hey, I just dropped my friends off. What are you doing right now? And I said, I just got home. What are you doing? And she goes, you want me to come over? And I was like, 
Sure. Mm-hmm. I ooh, I don't. I don't know. Let me ask. Let, yeah. me, oh, let me call you back. And she goes, oh, you have a girlfriend. I said, no, I am single. I am totally single. I just, I'm, I'm living in a weird, uh, let me just, let me just find out. How do you even explain that? Yeah. And, and I, I go, it's just, I'm just in a really unique situation. So I got a hold of Ed and I said, hey, Ed, uh, I don't know if Matt told you, but I met a girl tonight and she wants to come over. If I keep her at the studio and he said, dude, get some. And I was like, okay, cool. All right, cool. All right. So I <laughs> just call, like that. Yeah. And I said, uh, so uh, I go, hey, do me a favor. I go, can you meet me at the bottom of Coldwater Canyon? And um, there's a Ralph supermarket right there. You got to leave your car there and I'm going to drive you up. And she was like, okay. And she gets in the car with me and she's peppering me with questions like, why do you need permission? What is going on? Like, here? what's the, and I go, well, and I don't know how to just say, um, I live with any, like, so I don't say anything. I just drive. And go to the back entrance. There's two entrances to get into the property. The front one goes right to the mansion and the guest house. And the back one is where the studio is and the old house. And so I park in front of the studio. I open the door. I let her go in first. She walks in and goes, wow. Is your friend like the biggest Van Halen fan on the planet or what? And I was like, uh, yeah. You can and, say that. And then she starts to look around and go, how do you get something like this? She's starting to notice these plaques. There's one right next to the bathroom door that says Warner Brother Records commemorates 60 million records sold and has the cover of all the albums. Wow. And I go, uh, do you hear the noise in the next room? That's Van Halen. Um, this, this is Eddie Van Halen's house, and he's, he's just letting me stay here until I get back on my feet. And she's like, oh. Did her clothes just completely come off at that moment? Like, just The answer to every guy's question is two minutes. It was like, it was two minutes and then it was like, it was, it was a surreal, weird moment. But, um, and there was a bunch of them that happened and it's not as funny as it is interesting, but it was really interesting to live inside the house of a guy who was, you know, that super famous and that much of a hermit. So especially since we just lost him too. Yeah. And I've been trying to call him, uh, over the summer. I just had this feeling that. You know, I've been hearing rumors, and um, uh, but then I found out uh, a couple weeks ago that um, he wasn't talking, so he was only communicating by text, and mm-hmm. so I wouldn't have been able to, to talk to him anyway. But Man. And if so. I could tie Iowa into all of this, since you mentioned the mighty, mighty Metallica, <laughs> and allow me to name drop a bit, I have done a lot of work with Metallica no over the course of my career. I've done a lot of radio specials with them. I've been to the HQ facility a couple of times. Oh, no shit. Yeah, so I, I know the guys pretty well, and uh, I, I first of all, i got to hear your Lars Ulrich impression. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But the tie-in with Van Halen is that the first time Metallica ever met Van Halen was right here in Des Moines, Iowa, back in 1985. The they played the Iowa Jam that's, uh, that May. It might have been 86, come Holy to think of it. Shit played with Armored Saint, they played with uh, Ted Nugent, and a couple of other bands were on that bill. But Van Halen were playing Vets Auditorium, the big arena here, while Metallica were playing this festival show at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. Whoa. That was when they made the acquaintance of the Van Halen guys right here in Des Moines, Iowa. No shit. Yeah. You know, it's funny because the story of how I got to know Lars was a radio story. I got to know Lars because of a prank call that I made. And it wasn't my idea. A guy who used to do middays at our rock station in New York, he used to work at this big rock station in St. Louis. He was doing afternoon drive. And I was coming to St. Louis to do some shows. And he said, dude, when you get into town, you can hang out the whole show. Just come in. And I was like, all right, cool. 
So I get into town, I get my rental car, and I start driving towards the radio station. And I find his station on the dial. Well, he got a random call from Lars Ulrich from his house in San Francisco. The St. Anger album had just come out, and he's calling in to promote it. And my buddy knows this is huge. Mm-hmm. So he keeps Lars on the phone without playing any music, without playing any commercials, and with no delay. Oh. And every fifth or sixth word out of Lars's mouth is a doozy. Wow. And it's going out live on the air. And I'm driving for like 20 minutes. He's still on the air. I get to the building. He's still on the air. I get in the elevator. Receptionist. He's still on the air. Receptionist walks me back. He's still on the air. I walk in. I look at Woody and I go, dude, what are we doing? And he goes, I, I can't get rid of him. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I this go. sounds familiar. I go, what? And he goes, and he goes, hold, hold on, hold on. And, he, and, and we hatched a plan about how, how to get rid of Lars while he was talking to, to St. Louis. Oh, my God. And my buddy starts pointing me to the microphone. He goes, hey, uh, Lars, let me just. Yeah, I know that. That is amazing. That is amazing. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to interrupt you right there. Uh, Lars, uh, really quick. Um, for those of you just joining the broadcast, we have Lars Ulrich on the phone from his house in San Francisco. And uh, Lars, we have a couple special guests that are in the studio. And I went, no, no, no. And he's pointing me to the microphone. He goes, uh, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley from Kiss are here in the studio. And Lars goes, is that really Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons that are in the studio? Yeah, it is. Guys, say hello. Hey, Lars, this is Paul Stanley. <laughs> and this is Gene Simmons from Kiss. And I'm going to get right to the point, Lars. <laughs> A lot of people steal from Kiss. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. But on the new Metallica record, I think you've gone a little too far. And I'll give you a perfect example. Name one song on the new Metallica record that's completely original. And Lars goes, I think all the songs are pretty original. I think that if you had to, right, but if you had to pick one song, what would it be? I guess if I had to pick one song, it'd probably be, and he gave me a song title, and I said, that's a great song, Lars, <laughs> but I'm going to be honest with you. I liked it a lot better the first time I heard it when it was called Beth, and he said, <laughs> how do you hear Beth in the middle of it? That doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? And he started having a fight, an on-air conversation where he was fighting with a fake Paul Stanley oh. and a fake Gene Simmons and then Woody started jumping in and started tweaking the conversation and Lars wasn't getting the tweaks as a goof Woody said hey didn't you guys get in a big fight with Pantera recently and, and you had some words and he said Dude, it's all water under the bridge man it's all good that was in the past and they said yeah because Phil Ensemble's in the studio and I went hey Lars and I, and I was like it was the worst Phil <laughs> Ensemble hey Lars check it out F- it, uh, check it out <laughs> and then uh, and then at one point uh, Woody said uh, hey Lars you're not gonna believe this next door we have a talk radio station who um, has a movie critic every Friday that does movie reviews and has real movie stars coming in to promote new releases and they have Christopher Walken next door and he wanted to say hello can you say hi to Christopher oh Walken God. Dude, is that really Christopher Walken it is Lars I love Metallica because I love cocaine love cocaine <laughs> and he's having a fake conversation with a fake uh, uh, Christopher Walken when Woody goes hey Sam Kinison just walked in oh I go, my god I go hey Lars it's Sam Kinison and I don't know if you remember this but we did cocaine back in the early 80s and you stole all my blow oh <laughs> <laughs> and Lars goes didn't that guy die like 20 <laughs> years ago? And they go, yes, it's really weird. And then finally, my buddy Woody goes, hey, Lars, I got to tell you, man, we're just 
talking with you. This is my comedian friend. His name is Craig Gass. And Lars goes, dude, was that you doing all the voices? And I said, yeah. And he goes, dude, are you going to be at the show when we come to St. Louis? And I said, no, I, I don't live here. So I'm, I, I live in New York. So uh, I'm sorry, I will not be here. And he said, well, the next time you come to a Metallica show, I'd love to hang out with you. And I said, I'd love to hang out with you too, man. I, I fucking love you, dude. Yes. And and, uh, and this crazy thing happened. I go back home to New York and our producer, Gary Delvate, says, hey, you're not going to believe this. Um, so one of the guys from Electro Records uh, is trying to get in touch with you. I guess one of the guys in Metallica is trying to track you down. And I was like, come on. And he, and he gave me a phone number for this guy from Electro Records. And uh, uh, I called this guy up and he said, I don't know who you are, but uh, Lars wanted me to call you. I guess you do voices, right? You're like a comedian. And I said, yeah. He said, Lars, and you might remember this if you've had a history with him, mm -hmm. Lars is going to be doing a promotion for the St. Anger album where uh, when we get to Denver, Lars is going to take over a radio station yep. for the night. I do remember I that. I believe it was KBPI. Yep, the, it the, was. The modern rock station. That was the one. And it's going to be called Late Night with Lars, where uh, Lars is going to just run for two hours, playing anything he wants, talking about anything he wants. Freeform, yep. And we're going to syndicate it to, I think it was like 20 or 30 markets around the country. And he wants you to be his co-host. Wow. And I came in and I co-hosted the show with him. And then the next night, and he gave me his laminate from the tour. And... Um, the next day, I see Metallica perform in a fucking football stadium where the Broncos play. Yep. And Lars' assistant comes and grabs me and says, hey, Lars wants you to, he wants to introduce you to everybody. And I was like, all right. And we walk into this locker room, and it's just four guys in Metallica sitting at a table. And Lars goes, dude, this is the fucking guy. Nice. Does all the impressions. And then an awkward, awkward, awkward moment happened where uh, he said, do some impressions, man. Do some impressions for the guys. I'm doing impressions, and their singer looks at me and goes, how'd you learn how to do that? Do you do you practice that? Or like, how do you work on doing it? And I said, well, I don't know if Lars told you about my family. And Lars goes, dude, his whole family's retarded. I go, they're not retarded, they're deaf. And he's like, deaf, retarded, his whole family's a bunch of retards. And he couldn't learn how to talk from his family. I go, dude, you're, you're f***ing my story up. I mean, you're, come you're, on. My, my family's not retarded, they're deaf. And then like, yeah, it just became this awkward conversation. Then, and then uh, a couple months later, uh, uh, Metallica announced they were going to do a one-off show in New York in a small venue called the Bowery Ballroom. And the only way to get tickets, we had to win tickets through the Metallica fan club or, or my radio station, K-Rock. That's the only way to get in. And I called Lars and said, hey, man, if Metallica had any balls, you would let a comedian uh, open up the show for you. And he would be and, the guy to ask, too. And, uh, um, yeah, and, I, and, and Lars called me back. I still have the message on my voicemail. Boop. Hey, man. Um, yeah, I talked to James and Kirk and some of the other guys, and... Let's have you come down, do a couple 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is that you can do, and have you do some comedy, huh? Huh? Oh, man. And I, and I got to open for Metallica. Before so cool. I leave, I have to tell you about a famous Iowan that, who I adore, who unfortunately, um, I'll just tell you the story. Please do. Uh, I used to live in Seattle. That's where my comedy career started. And a comedian friend that I used to hit open mics with worked at a hotel. And he showed up at the open mic and said, you guys aren't going to believe this. All those uh, stars that are in town for the grand opening of Planet Hollywood, they're all staying at my hotel. And I was like, who's, who's staying at your hotel? And he goes, dude, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, Tom Arnold. And I was like, Tom Arnold's there here? There it is. There it and is. And he goes, yeah, Tom Arnold. And I go, Tom
Tom Arnold's in your hotel? And I'm a comedian. I, I love him as a comedian. Tomwa, Iowa. And I that night, I, I looked up the phone number in the phone book, and I called the hotel, and I said, hi, Tom Arnold, please. And they go, okay, please hold. And I was like, no. And he picked up the phone. I never recorded this. I did it for myself. Tom picks up and he goes, hello. And I said, Tom, it's Sam Kinison. Sam had been dead for 10 years. <sighs> My God. And Tom Arnold goes, hey, buddy, what's going on? How are you? And I go, I go, listen, I go, uh, Tom, you need to help me out, buddy, because uh, I need you to, to get me some, help me out in the afterlife. And he goes, whatever you need, Sam, just tell me what you need me to do. And I said, well, I need you to buy me some cocaine. I need you to get me some cocaine in the afterlife. And I'm going to tell you how to do it. First of all, I need you to front me the cash because I don't have any money. And uh, secondly, I want you to purchase the cocaine and, and I want you to fly back to Los Angeles, take the cocaine and put it in the pocket of Jerry Lewis, and I'll get it when he gets here in three weeks! <laughs> oh! 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 <laughs> and then I stopped and said, hey, Tom, I'm sorry, man. My name's Craig Gass. I'm actually a stand-up comedian. He said, man, that was that was good. That You want, you want to know how good that is? I need to call my sponsor. That's how good that impression is. That's that's a really good impression. Uh, do you have like a, a video I can watch or uh, or something I could see? And I said, uh, I go, yeah. I, I go, can I can I give it to you? And he said, well, I'm gonna be really busy, but if you leave it at the front desk, I'll get it and uh, and, and I'll, I'll call you back. And I was like, okay. So I went to the hotel and I dropped off a video. He called me a week later and uh, said, I think you're really funny. Here's my cell phone. Here's my office phone. If you ever need any advice, if you ever need, and uh, and I feel intimidated by people to call them, so I never called him. But the more I repeated the story, the better the impression got. Yeah. And then I go to the Super Bowl every year, and I'll broadcast from the Super Bowl Media Center, and tons of radio friends are there. Sure. Sports radio specifically, of course. The sports radio format. Yeah. Broadcasting from all over the country. And my sports friends will say, hey, can you join us? Because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is dead at the Super Bowl. Thursday and Friday, it's a it's show. A zoo, Celebrities yep. everywhere. Yep. But nobody's there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And they'll say, can you join us as somebody famous? So it sounds cool back in Boise. The most, the closest sports guy I can think of is Tom Arnold, who mm -hmm. used to host the Best Damn Sports Show, period. Yes. So every year at the Super Bowl, my friends will say, hey, we're being joined by Tom Arnold. We're live from the Super Bowl. Tom, a lot of celebrities coming in. What's going on? What's your experience so far? Oh, man, it's been crazy. A uh, lot of celebrities. I was at a, uh, a Cocaine Anonymous meeting last night with Brett Favre. I, you know, I probably shouldn't say this out loud. Brett's got a bad Coke problem. And uh, <laughs> and uh, his sponsor is uh, is Bob Costas. Uh, Bob's addicted to upskirt porn. Again, I shouldn't say that out loud, but Bob jerks off all the time. And uh, But yeah, he's got a problem. He's always jerking off in public. And I just start naming random sports people, and I start attaching them to addictions. Oh, my God. God. And every year, people tweet at the real Tom Arnold and go, Hey, it's supposed to be anonymous, you fucking asshole. And Tom fights everybody. Tom will tweet back at people and go, Hey, did you notice that uh, uh, Sam Kinison was on the air? That guy's been dead for 20 years, you fucking idiot. That's a comedian <laughs> doing an impression. That's not me, you asshole. And he fights everybody. And and he's he said to me, like, Man, why, why do you do this, man? Like, And I'm like, Oh, it's just fun. I'm just having fun. It's not, it's like a silly thing. And like, and I love Tom. He's one of the funniest comics I've 
fucking adore him, but um, but being in Iowa, I can't help but think about him. Of course. And, um, it's weird because I haven't even mentioned, I think, like once, like what I'm doing here, but I'm performing on yeah. Friday night. We did that on, at the, at the top. Beginning? We okay. mentioned Teehees, okay. which then okay. we went into the whole Teehee, and I thought to yeah. myself, yeah. maybe if they're looking for some sort of a mural outside <laughs> the building, it's going to be your face <laughs> in anime, right? Yeah. I love that idea. We're going to do two shows, yeah. and, uh, and it's limited capacity because of... Uh, because of COVID, so uh, yeah, Teehee, I think it's Teehee's Comedy. Whatever it is, the link is at getgas.com. Getgas with two S's.com. And when you go to that link, you'll see the links to all my uh, socials, and, and there's some crazy on my uh, social media. Well, stuff. and I'm hoping we have an opportunity to talk about a lot more of those in the future. I would love to have you back anytime, Craig. Dude, there's so many more stories. Like, we're just getting to the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, yeah, dude. Well, I will be back. Uh, hopefully, I'll be back within a year. So, um, yeah, dude, thanks for having me in. Sorry I talked so much. No, but, that uh, was great, man. Thank you so much for coming in. Appreciate it very much. I've been excited about coming to Des Moines for a long time. I don't know why it's taken me this long to actually get here for the first time, but... I'm a big fan of come and go, and here I am. So thank you. Get yourself a T-shirt. Yep, I do want to get a T-shirt and a actually. lighter. You got to get a lighter too. I got. I do want a T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I do. That's funny. I was thinking the same thing. I, I actually drove by like I want to be a sell T-shirts. Like yeah. I don't remember what it was. Um, it was some sort of award show, and Slash was wearing a come and go T-shirt. No way. That he really? got because they he played Laser Fest, our no our way. festival show years ago. Yeah. So. All of the artists were come and go presented the show, just long story short. So they gave all the artists a little grab bag of oh. shit, and one of the things everybody got was a come and go t-shirt, and Slash totally wore his at this show. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That so, is amazing. I bring I it up every that. time I talk to him. <laughs> well, dude, I hope, are you able to make it to the show? I can't come. My mom's in town this weekend, man. Really? My right. daughter's birthday is tomorrow. So. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, happy birthday love to your daughter. To. And, uh, and we'll hopefully, I, hopefully I'll come back to Des Moines at some point. You come back and we will hang out and I will make sure to come to the show. All right. Promise. Deal. Thank you. Deal. It's a date. All right. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. You got it, man.